Hi, everybody. This is Dr. Eric Corum, founder of AIM7. Welcome back to The Blueprint, where we distill cutting-edge science, leadership, and life skills into simple tactics optimized for your busy lifestyle and goals. I'm back with our final episode today on the brain's amazing detoxification system, the glymphatic system. In episodes 239 and 242, I explain how our brain uses a unique system of paravascular pathways to clear metabolic waste products from the brain while we sleep. And while we sleep is the key part here because this system is not really active during the day. Then I discuss the connection between poor sleep, which leads to inadequate glymphatic clearance and neurodegenerative diseases such as Alzheimer's. And today, I'm going to discuss several habits you can engage in outside of sleep that may improve glymphatic clearance. I'm going to be highlighting some interesting findings from a paper published in Brain Sciences. And the paper's titled The Sleeping Brain, Harnessing the Power of the Glymphatic System Through Lifestyle Choices. The next statement I'm going to read is directly from the paper. And I think it's worthy of quoting as it sets up the behaviors we're about to discuss. And the paper says, no suitable drug is yet to be developed for Alzheimer's disease. Research has begun to emerge on individual lifestyle choices and their modulation of glymphatic activity. Behavioral interventions can be both preventative and curative and are frequently preferred over medication. Since we have established the link between the glymphatic activity and the absence of a suitable treatment, I'm going to go ahead and shed some light on how lifestyle choices impact glymphatic clearance that may in turn affect the neurodegenerative process. So the first behavior I want to get into is omega-3 consumption. Consuming marine-based fish oils, referred to as omega-3 polyunsaturated fatty acids, have been found to modulate glymphatic activity. And I'm going to get into some pretty interesting research here, so just hang in there with me. In animal models, increasing consumption of omega-3 has been associated with a lower incidence of neurodegenerative disease. You see, the central nervous system is highly enriched with these omega-3 polyunsaturated fatty acids, and they exhibit potent anti-inflammatory properties on the brain. Now, high endogenous levels of omega-3s improve impairment of spatial learning and memory induced by the aggregation of those amyloid beta proteins, which is not what we want. We don't want those stuck in our brain. Also, dietary intake of these omega-3s improve cognitive decline in mild Alzheimer's disease. Supplementation demonstrates an increase in cerebrospinal fluid influx and clearance, and an increase in the speed of glymphatic clearance and decreases in amyloid beta aggregation. Again, we don't want that stuff stuck in our brain. So based on this compelling research, I think there's a strong argument for omega-3 supplementation. Now hang in there with me. I'm about to go down a rabbit hole, but I found some interesting information when researching glymphatic system and neurodegeneration. You see the glymphatic clearance is impaired in rodent animal models of Alzheimer's due to changes in what are called AQP4 water channels. Now these water channels are responsible for the movement of cerebrospinal fluid and interstitial fluid expressed on astrocyte in feet. Okay, this is getting detailed here, but astrocyte and feet cover almost the entire surface of blood vessels. 
These end feet play a role in the regulation of dilation and constriction of micro vessels to control blood flow. So you can see how these are really important. In old mice, a decrease in AQP4 expression, mislocalization of AQP4 away from the end feet, and reduced pulsations of the arterial wall led to 40% reduction in amyloid beta clearance from the brain. So because these arterial walls are not as pliable as they used to be, there's poor clearance, okay? Glymphatic activity in old mice was observed to be reduced by 80 to 90%. This could explain the increase in the frequency of amyloid beta aggregation in aged brains. Now, supplementation with omega-3s demonstrates that there's an improved influx and clearance of cerebrospinal fluid with those AQP4 channels remaining polarized at the astrocyte in feet, increasing the speed of glymphatic clearance. When researchers remove these AQP4 water channels with a special type of genetically modified mouse called an AQP4 knockout mouse, they exhibited no difference in glymphatic activity even with dietary omega-3 supplementation. What does this mean? It indicates that AQP4 water channels are essential in omega-3 improvement in glymphatic function. That's why omega-3 supplementation has there been for suggested to delay or prevent the onset of Alzheimer's disease by improving glymphatic transport and decreasing amyloid aggregation. All of this to say, there's some really strong evidence that this could be something that's beneficial for you. So the next question you're going to ask is, well, how much? I am not a medical doctor. I'm also not a registered dietitian. So I have a PhD so I can philosophize about things. So I'm just going to profess two to four grams a day based off of your tolerance and how your body reacts to that. So you would want to check with maybe a registered dietitian or your physician, but that's that's what I recommend. I put a link in the show notes for Thorne's Omega-3 Supplement. It's well-tested. It's what I use. And I use two to four grams a day, typically on the higher end of four grams. So that wraps up omega-3s. Now let's talk about something else. Intermittent fasting, right? Intermittent fasting is, you know, the silver bullet for everything. Well, not really. But in this case, there is some very interesting evidence that I think is worthy noting. Intermittent fasting and specifically alternating fasting one day and then eating on a regular cadence the next day has been demonstrated to boost glymphatic clearance by increasing AQP4 polarization along these paravenous spaces. So quickly, I'm going to give you the proposed mechanism for why researchers are seeing this change. Fasting causes the liver to switch to fatty acid oxidation as a means of using energy which increases the amount of something called beta-hydroxybutyrate in the blood after 12 hours of fasting. So after 12 hours of fasting, you start seeing an increase in the rise of beta-hydroxybutyrate. So when you fast, this beta-hydroxybutyrate crosses the blood-brain barrier and acts as an endogenous histone deacetylase-3 inhibitor. I know that's a mouthful. It's called an HDAC inhibitor, which has been shown to exert a protective effect in Alzheimer's disease progression. This endogenous HDAC inhibitor also increases the polarity of AQP4 expression on those astrocyte in feet, further increasing glymphatic clearance. So this is crazy. Like you have to fast for a long time. You got to fast for one day, eat the next day, 
After 12 hours, you get an increase in this beta-hydroxybutyrate. This acts as an endogenous histone deacetylase 3 inhibitor, which then leads to increased lymphatic clearance. So if you are an intermittent faster, you intermittent fast for 24 hours or greater than 12 hours, there may be some positive uh, benefits for uh, lymphatic clearance. The next one is sleeping position. Now, I found this one to be really interesting. And after doing some research, I've found that gravity affects the movement of blood and cerebrospinal fluid through the brain when we sleep. And therefore, sleep position likely plays a role in the clearance of waste products from the brain. Intracranial pressure and what's called cerebral hemodynamics or blood flow are influenced by body posture. And research demonstrates that patients with dementia have been found to spend more time in the supine position which is the position of lying on your back. An important factor in the clearance pathways for the brain is the stretch placed on nerves and veins in each position. And supposedly the best position for glymphatic clearance seems to be in the right lateral position. Now this one may be really hard for you to control without special pillows, but if you really wanna do everything you can to improve glymphatic clearance, maybe it's worth a shot. The next one, is alcohol consumption. Prolonged ingestion of high levels of alcohol, specifically one gram per kilogram of body weight, have been demonstrated to drastically reduce lymphatic transport in mouse models. Now, that's a lot of alcohol. Chronic exposure reduced the effectiveness of those AQP4 channels, which are critical for cerebrospinal fluid inflow and removing amyloid beta. All of this potentially leads to alcohol-induced changes in those water channels I've mentioned before to hinder glymphatic clearance. So I may sound like a broken record right now, but you can start seeing how these AQP4 channels are very crucial for glymphatic clearance. Research also demonstrates that heavy alcohol consumption for prolonged periods of time greatly increase the risk of developing Alzheimer's disease. I think we all know that heavy drinking is not good for your brain health. Intermittent alcohol consumption has been found to decrease lymphatic clearance for both acute and chronic usage like one night or just consistently drinking but there's a caveat here intermittent and heavy dosage induce non-permanent changes in lymphatic activity as just 24 hours of sobriety fully restored lymphatic function in contrast both acute and chronic exposure to very low doses of alcohol increase lymphatic clearance due to decreased what's called GFAP expression, which reduced the risk of Alzheimer's disease. Sounds contradictory, doesn't it? Well, here's the key. Heavy chronic drinking, for sure, will negatively impact brain health. Otherwise, you need to weigh out the risk and make a judgment that you think is best for you. Personally, I don't drink alcohol. There's just too many negative effects. It's just not something I do very frequently. All right, we got two more behaviors. First one is exercise. So glad this showed up, <laughs> just from a personal standpoint. But bulk glymphatic flow is accelerated by physical training and notably improves memory and cognition in neurodegenerative disease. One study demonstrated that just six weeks of running restored protein homeostasis in the brain, reduced inflammation, improved cognition, and reduced the deposition of amyloid beta through increased lymphatic clearance. This improved what? AQP4 polarization and led to a decrease in both amyloid plaques and neuroinflammation. 
So exercise is for sure a winner. So make sure you're getting in at least 150 to 300 minutes of aerobic exercise per week. That can be moderate intensity or vigorous intensity. We've talked about that a lot. That's the basic recommendations. Finally, chronic stress. Chronic psychological stress is a common risk factor for Alzheimer's disease. Short-term stress though, remember, is the gateway for growth, adaptation, and survival. I mean, you have to have short-term stress to improve anything, but long-term stress can be detrimental to both the mind and the body. And we've talked about the HPA axis before and the sympathetic nervous system, but to kind of reintroduce this again, chronic stress accelerates the accumulation and deposition of amyloid beta. Mice that have been exposed to stress for long periods of time exhibit decreased lymphatic influx and efflux. That means the flow is not good. And guess what long-term stress also impacts? AQP4 polarization. Chronic stress also triggers the HPA axis to release glucocorticoids. Alzheimer's disease is associated with the dysfunctional HPA axis demonstrated by high levels of cortisol in the blood. Glucocorticoids act by binding to glucocorticoid receptors or mineral glucocorticoid receptors and decrease astrocyte numbers, down-regulating the number of AQP4 channels. I mean, it is unbelievable. We really have a good understanding of what is controlling glymphatic clearance. Anything that's messing with those AQP4 channels is a bad deal. So chronic stress is not good. It's important to have things or mechanisms or tools that you can use like mindfulness, like gratitude, like breath work, like aerobic exercise to improve how your body responds to stress so that you don't have this chronic low-grade fever of stress. All right, let's recap everything that we've learned about the glymphatic system so far. We know that the glymphatic system is tied to neurodegenerative disease. It is primarily active when you sleep. What does it do? It's flushing out these metabolic waste products, of which amyloid beta and tau are kind of the primary suspects. So sleep and consistently getting enough sleep is important. What else can you do? And these are behaviors that you should consider. Totally up to you. Omega-3 supplementation, two to four grams a day. Potentially intermittent fasting, changing your position of where you sleep, moving to maybe your right side. Considering your alcohol consumption, we know that heavy drinking is not good. Increasing exercise, making sure you're getting plenty of aerobic exercise and making sure that you have mechanisms so that you're not engaged in this long-term elevation of chronic stress. Thank you so much for joining me on this exploration of this amazing system, the glymphatic system. I'm really excited as we start to enter 2023. We have an amazing lineup of guests for you. And as always, I would love your feedback. If you have ideas of things that you want to hear, hit me up on Instagram. I'm on there all the time or Twitter. Just send me a message. I promise that I'll respond to you. I, I really value your feedback. Thank you again for listening. Thank you again for your time and attention. I know how precious that is. And I'm looking forward to connecting with you soon on the next episode.